Paul, why don't you uh, do the introductions here? It's, uh, what, Sunday, March is 9th? Sunday, March 9th, and this is episode one of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name's Paul McGinty, and I'm here with... Ian Sharpley. And... Matt Cassell. This first episode, we're going to kick things off just talking about what got us into comics, what were our inspirations to start reading. Jesus Christ, I already, uh, <laughs> I already screwed it up. It's already been screwed up. That's my bad. We all agreed to turn our phones off earlier, or at least put them on silent. Yes, we did. But Paul's a very important guy, and <laughs> the rules don't really apply to him at all. So we're going to discuss what got us into comics, what got us interested into buying comic books. We're going to discuss Dark Horse's Star Wars issues 1 and 2 by Brian Wood and Carlos Danda. And, I don't know. Whatever else comes Whatever to else mind. comes to mind. So let's start with, Ian, what got you into reading comic books? Uh, whenever I was a really little kid, I was into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, really hardcore. Um, and my dad... <clears throat> ended up getting me a bunch of the Archie com not even the Eastman and Laird comics. So Archie, this is late eighties, late eighties, yeah, late eighties, early nineties. Um, Archie Comics actually made um, a version of it that was similar to the cartoon, which is what I was watching anyway. Um, I, I started reading that, and then from there, I I wanted more Ninja Turtles, so I went to the source material, checked out the a little bit darker Eastman and Laird stuff. Uh, I and how did you feel about the darker Eastman and Laird stuff? Uh, you were pissed. I didn't like it at all. What there do you mean a, they don't have different colored bandanas? There wasn't a lot. Everybody was Raphael. What the <laughs> fuck? Uh, there was. I, I got. Uh, I got some Double Dragon stuff. Woo! My dad bought me Double Dragon <laughs> comic books, and we would go. I love around. your dad, but that's a bad call. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, we played Double Dragon together all the time. It was like our. Our thing, so we thought a comic book about Double Dragon would be pretty right up my alley. Um, he should have known by then that licensed games turned into comics never work. Uh, it was it was really early on. I don't think anybody knew that that was a bad maneuver. They were setting the standard, <laughs> setting the standard for <laughs> for bad video game licensing. Ironically, I think Jay Lee did the covers to them, or somebody that somebody pretty famous did the covers to these uh, Double Dragon books. I have to look it up. At some point. So I, I got into that stuff. And he would take me to... Um, this is before the internet. And you can look up stuff on eBay. He'd take me around to flea markets. And we'd check out you know, dollar bins. And, and get really old, you know, out of print stuff. And old school. I, I, got in, I got into uh, some old Spider-Man stuff. And then at that point, um, I wanted to check out the newer Spider-Man um, I remember the first one that I bought was uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man number 12 ju from July of, I believe it was 1992, I think, or 91. 91, I think. 91. Yeah. And it was uh, Todd McFarlane, and it, it featured uh, Wolverine, and it was a story, it was the ending of a five-part story about um, the Wendigo, and uh, there was child killing, like child murdering going yeah. on in this story. And a, a lot of really a significant departure from the Ninja Turtles cartoon. Yeah, yeah or even the Amazing Friends that I, I watched the, before. I think it was called Perceptions. Yeah, yeah, it was Perceptions, and uh, it was some dark shit. And you, Matt, have some uh, some familiar familiarity with that as well. Yeah, that was my first comic book too. Um, 
I bought it because Spider-Man and Wolverine were my favorite characters um, at the time. And I had seen... I was 11. And I had seen... Okay, Batman was my favorite character. And I had had seen... uh, that issue at the at the bookstore, I saw the cover of it and I thought it was really cool just because of who it was. I really didn't even appreciate the art or anything at the time, but um, I ended up buying that at just this local paperback bookstore, and they had just one spinny comic book rack, and uh, that was my very first comic book, which I still have today. What made you like Spider-Man or Wolverine? What got you initially into that, either one of those characters? Spider-Man goes back to when I was, you know, like four years old, probably. I liked Batman and Spider-Man. Very original. But I had, like, little little toys. Um, like, even more juvenile than the Secret Wars figures, but we're I talking like almost Secret like Fisher-Price, Fisher awesome. like, Spider-Man vehicles, like a Spider-Man helicopter. And I had Secret Wars figures, and <clears throat> I hate Marvel. I had that with the shield. Yep. And, um, was it like a... It, uh, had it the, wasn't holographic, but it had the, it the changing something. image. Yeah, it had thing. like a battle scene yep. or yeah. something like that. Those were awesome. Those yeah. were good figures, too. But I always, I, I always thought... Spider-Man doesn't have a shield. <laughs> well, Spider-Man, like you were just talking about, Spider-Man had a whole lot of shit. He had a helicopter, a yeah. dune buggy. Yeah, a little motorcycle. Like he was, a, he was doing the Batman bit for a little bit on a newspaper salary. <laughs> I had uh, all kinds of Spider-Man crap. Like, uh, remember record books? Mm-hmm. I had the Turn one... The page. Yeah, yeah. I so I had a Spider-Man record book where Spider-Man fought... Um, I think some kind of like constellation dragon or something what? like that. <laughs> Sounds bad. I feel like oh, I saw God. it for sale at the Pittsburgh Comic Con a couple years ago, and the guy wanted like thirty bucks for it, and it was just a little too much. But I wanted to buy it so bad. Should have bought. It. I should have. If I knew this story, I would have chipped in and bought it. <laughs> um, if I ever see it again, I will buy it. But, uh, so yeah, my love for Spider-Man goes way back, and then my love for Batman goes back just as far because I was a huge fan of the Adam West TV show, which was, you know, in reruns. They showed it after school. I think back-to-back episodes. Yeah, yeah. Just like I, from what I have learned, whenever it was played on primetime, it would come on like a Monday and a Tuesday night. So you'd watch Batman on Monday, and then cliffhanger is Robin going to get eaten by? You know, the shark, and I know he's not, he got away again. Well, when I watched it, it was it was on like it, four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, but, so yeah, the, those were my two favorite characters, but I really liked Spider-Man, and then I was kind of introduced to Wolverine via the Secret Wars figures. I can remember when I had some of the figures, like Magneto and Spider-Man, my cousin was talking about, did you get Wolverine? And I was like, fuck is Wolverine (laughs) and then I finally figured it out and I just because my cooler older cousin thought Wolverine was awesome I thought Wolverine was awesome did that figure have retractable claws no he had a claw that he had a claw that didn't clip on on. it was a clip on claw yeah so not until I think the toy biz ones from the 90s did he get like the spring loaded claws that came out um, but he did have like some kind of clip on. I think yeah. he only had one or something really generic. But yeah, those Secret Wars figures, those guys got to um, live in the same world as my superpowers figures, even though 
the Marvel characters didn't have knees that bent. So, so they're the, at a distinct disadvantage. They were at a disadvantage, but... Did the superpowers figures have knees that bent? Not only did they have knees that bent, they were, had superpowers. Those, those they, were the DC ones? They were the DC ones. They had cloth capes in some instances. Yeah, I remember that because they all had big collars. It, yeah. yeah. Like on the little bit, yeah. yeah. And, they, and they had, uh, like, features. So if you squeeze their legs together, they had super punches. So Superman and Batman both had the same thing. I think Red Tornado would go around or something. Something like that. Like that. Um, yeah, I know some of them had, like, arms that spin. I remember the Flash figure, if you squeezed his arms, his legs would kick. <laughs> I had those. Um, so, yeah, that was my intro- introduction to superheroes, and then it, you know, finally manifested itself into buying comic a comic book when I was 11 at the local bookstore. Which was that Spider-Man book? Spider-Man, Spider-Man number, 12. number twelve. That's you share summer. that love. Yep, you should kiss. <laughs> we will. Now, um, Paul, you were a late bloomer with comic books, and uh, you're just you know making fun of us of how original. What was uh, who was your favorite? Like the Anti Monitor or somebody really crazy? I want to say it was that weird indie thing that looks like a. Hippopotamus, rhinoceros, whatever that thing uh, was. Cer- Cerberus? Cerberus, Cerebus. Isn't he like anti-Semitic or something as well? Or but it, was, it wasn't Cerebus. Yeah. Dave he... Sims? Yeah. Character? yeah. There's something crazy going on with him. I don't know. It wasn't Cerebus. It was, in fact, Batman. So we all have a little a little unoriginality. And our, our gateway drug this into comic This is going to be an awesome podcast. We're all so original. <laughs> it gets better. You get older. You learn. You go find other things. Now, what got you into it? Um, were you? Did you get into books, or was it something else? I I never read comics as a kid. I had old Transformers comics. I had some a couple old Predacons comics, and I didn't like them because the, they weren't the cartoon, and they were shitty later versions of the Transformers characters when they started to make characters like the Predacons that suck. So I, I I never read it. I never got into comics that way until 2000 when Ian and I were working together at the same job and we'd go down to the local comic shop so he could find he could find stuff. So Ian introduced you to yeah. comic books. Good job. Yeah. I've been uh, the I, I've I've showed a lot of uh, different young men into uh, the, the dark alleyways <laughs> of comic book uh, reading. Yeah, Ian, uh, Ian and I would go down during lunch breaks and just look look down at, at the local comic shop. And I was a big animated series guy, as all of us were. And so it was Batman. It was Batman all the way. I liked the Superman movies growing up, but and I had the superpowers figures. But it was really Batman. So we'd go down and I'd look for Batman trades, animated series style trades. I started getting the Batman Adventures book, which is a really good book. And I have all of it. It's a good run of 60 issues. But I had to do some digging to find those first couple issues because I got started late on it. But I didn't get started actually reading books and buying like regular ongoing series and single issues until Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee's Hush series started. Because Jim Lee had been out of comics for a long time, but I didn't know anything about that. But Ian did. So you were like, hey. Yeah, I was like, this I is going to be a big deal. we got to check this out. And it I was think, all over, like Wizard and all the different magazines. I read that was the first time he had drawn comic books since Heroes Reborn. 
He had something in between called Divine Right. That's right, that he was did. Really shitty. That was sucky. Oh, uh, it was horrible. Um, but yeah, it was the first time that he was, and I think it was one of the first times that he was drawing Batman too. And there was a lot of hype about that they were going to bring all the villains in, so you'd get to see Jim Lee draw all the villains. That's right. And, and it was yeah. going to be a huge. And plus, Jim Lee um, is notorious for being late with books, and that he already had like six months of books already finished, so you knew that it was going mm-hmm. to be right, you know, right along. This is when he sold his his studio, right, to to DC Wildstorm. He sold that to DC. And that's how he was affiliated with DC? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that is. They gave him some kind of share of DC, which he still currently has. I, well, I mean, he's been promoted several times at this point. Is he like the chief creative Something officer like, or something? Yeah, that's something. Jeff Johns, chief creative officer. Well, then what's Jim Lee? I don't know. The, the, co- the, the new costume designer that kind of <laughs> doesn't really do his job very well? He gets, Jim Lee gets a lot of bad rap what for redesigning. What are you saying about callers on superheroes? He gets a bad rap for redesigning a lot of the new DC outfits, but a lot of it was Cully Hamner. Who put those new outfits together? So let's give bad credit where it's due. Cully Hamner sucks at drawing costumes <laughs> as, as well as Jim Lee. Well, who's approving <clears throat> these costumes? Jim Lee. <laughs> yeah. So Jim Lee sucks at approving costumes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he was influenced by the superpowers capes with the big goofy ass collars. <laughs> Is that why these characters all have that? Any a, a lot of the Justice League characters right now have collars up around their necks and they never used to and what's weird about it is that they wanted the team to look unified and have the similar look so Superman, Green Lantern, Aquaman they all have these collars but if all these heroes are coming from different places in their lives they wouldn't have matching outfits yeah and, and this isn't X-Men this isn't somebody this isn't a team that put together on put purpose. together on purpose that lives together and only does stuff together except for Wolverine who's in everything. But yeah, these are the greatest heroes throughout the universe coming together. Why do they all need to have the same costume? It's really strange. Because Jim Lee and Cully Hamner like colors. <laughs> <laughs> so the animated the animated series led me into comic books, and by the time that first issue of Hush came out, I had already bought Jeff Loeb's Long Halloween and Dark Victory. Which are two seminal Batman works for me. Seminal comic book works. Like I think those two books played a big hand in cementing my place in the comic book landscape. So I think that was another selling point when Hush came out was, Hey, you like long long Halloween and Dark Victory, you gotta get you gotta get Hush. Same guy that wrote it. And I was in and it had the same tone as the animated series and that's what I really gravitated gravitated to. I got other Batman trades that didn't feel like the animated series. Like Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, which is cool in its own right, kind of. I haven't read it in a long time, but the way the animated series handles all those characters and the way Jeff Loeb does, it's really the definitive Batman for me. Scott Snyder's doing a really good job writing the book now, finding that tone, but there's a lot of bad Batman out there as much as there's good Batman. I agree. Excellent. (laughs) So, um, so you guys have been reading comic books since the early, the late 80s, early 90s. What I missed out on in comic book history is the big comic boom of Image and the Death of Superman, when they did the polybagged Death of Superman cover. I missed out on all of that stuff. 
because I only started reading in 2000. So what was it like when you're reading comics and there's just a big boom and comics are everywhere? Comics are so big that Rob Liefeld has his own jeans commercial. It was it was completely insane to see. Even even today, it would be crazy if you saw a uh, w- one of our comic creators now on TV, you know, hyping up Gap jeans or something like that. It's, it's a little surreal seeing Joe Casada on the Colbert Report every so often. <laughs> Joe Casada, the Marvel, he's not even editor in chief. I don't he's, think he's something above. He's that. like he's he's like creative chief creative officer, chief creative or bad decision maker. Oh, oh there we go. Oh, he's made some bad ones lately, but I I mean, he did a lot of good things when Marvel was in a really bad spot with bankruptcy and all that shit. But um, in the the early 90s, whenever all the image stuff was happening, it was it was a really crazy and exciting time for me as a Marvel fan, uh, because you got to see all of the top creators, all the top artists um, basically pick up their stuff and go and create new uh, grittier, more violent uh, versions of the characters that you saw in the Marvel Universe without the restrictions of the comic code, which was a huge deal. Now comics and without are And without good designs or yeah, stories either. Blood, well, blood, I mean, they were good for the time. <laughs> blood was red in image books as opposed to black in um, you know Marvel or DC books, I remember. Now, Matt, you were around. That. What what was your favorite Image comic? And do you still currently read Image books? I don't. Um, not any of those core ones. I read Walking Dead and things like that. But yeah, I. Well, for me, it was also exciting. Um, I didn't know Image was starting until after it was underway because, like you said earlier, this is pre-internet. So, and also for an eleven-year-old to be like well connected you have to like read all the magazines and everything or maybe i was 12 maybe i think i was 12 but anyway um i remember i was looking for spider-man number six and i was buying my comic books at the same bookstore that i bought spider-man number 12 uh magical spider-man number 12 yeah so uh so i was looking for spider-man number 26 which was the uh hologram cover which you know is stuff that you missed out on Although it's kind of coming back. Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I I bought that, actually. But the only reason why I did was because they didn't jack up the price. It was only $3.99. It was was foil stamped and And embossed. embossed. What what was the price of your standard comic book in... 1990. It ranged between dollar not dollar dollar. I would say I would say dollar. It ranged between like a Marvel book was like a dollar, and then it went whenever Image came out with the different papers, the digital printing, it it went up another dollar. I want to say yeah, Dollar-ca it was a dollar ninety nine. Oil stamp covers, variants, um, all that shit was more expensive. But like your standard comic book for Marvel, because I didn't really buy much DC at the time, but for Marvel. You could buy an issue of Amazing Spider-Man for one dollar, but yeah. the regular Spider-Man title with Todd McFarlane was a dollar seventy-five. Because Todd McFarlane also, I remember he he started that um, glossier, better paper stock with Spider-Man. That was part of the deal that he made with them. No, I'm pretty sure that was still newsprint. I think it was a little better. At least it might have been a little, but it wasn't glossy. Maybe it wasn't glossy. It was a little. It was a little bit better than what you got with Amazing, which was straight Probably. up newsprint. Um, you could see the dots. There were heavier inks, I remember, 
in the spider in the McFarlane one because I remember the, like all the borders and everything you know the frame the panels were in black which yeah. was like so cool you know yeah. but like when you buy Amazing Spider-Man it's all you know blank it's just white paper McFarlane so, did a lot of really cool stuff back in the day it, it makes me feel bad that I've gone for like 10 years hating him for <laughs> leaving comic books because he did a lot of really cool revolutionary stuff yeah, his dialogue sucked in a lot of the things that he wrote. There was a lot of wacko stuff that was going on in Spawn and he's in, Spider-Man. He's an example of uh, an artist that isn't a very good writer. Yeah, yeah, and his stuff doesn't really hold up. If you but go since back he was and, a founding father of Image, where everyone just did what they wanted, he could do what he wanted and write bad stuff. Bad writing back in those days was more acceptable if the art was amazing. Um, that was definitely... A time when the artists were king, um, writers were definitely you know second to, to the artists. But um, yeah, getting back to the Spider-Man twenty six that I bought, I wanted it because it was this big. I don't know if it was an anniversary issue. Maybe it was like the thirtieth anniversary of Spider-Man or something like that. I'm trying to remember what the cover looked like. It was. It had a green border with a big like um, foil. Hologram. It was like a good hologram. The foil industry must have been so pissed when the <laughs> comic bubble burst in um, like '96. But but they didn't have it, unfortunately. Reynolds so. went through bankruptcy. <laughs> so I ended up buying uh, this comic book that I saw on the shelf called Savage Dragon, which oh, looked boy. very cool. Uh, and and at the bottom of the, the cover, it said. Intense action from Eric Larson. And this was the first time you saw Savage Dragon? This is the first time I saw You hadn't Savage read Dragon. about it. You didn't know... That is correct. ...what was going on. You just saw the cover and said... That is correct. I need this intense action. From Eric Larson. But yes. you knew Eric Larson. Well, pretty much. I recognized the name. I'll be honest. I kind of like couldn't keep all the creators' names straight in my head. Like, I knew Todd McFarlane. I definitely knew him. And, and I recognized... Larson and I recognized Liefeld, but like I was hardcore art snob about like who the anchor was on the book. I knew all the artists. I was really intense. Okay, about that stuff. Um, but in this instance, that's it. That's the cover. Um, in this instance, um, I. I wasn't sure if it was Mc, or if it was Larson or Liefeld in my mind, but I knew I recognized the name and I thought the book looked awesome, so I bought that instead of Spider-Man Twenty Six, which they didn't have anyway. So um, I remember I read that book uh, that that afternoon. It was a Saturday, and uh, I can remember going <laughs> with my friends to the to the mall later that night, and I remember I told them. This is the best comic book I ever read. Oh! Wow. <laughs> Even then, did they look at you like, you crazy son of a bitch? Well, they thought I was kind of nerdy for liking comic books in the first place, but I was so, like, excited about it that that I had to just tell people about how cool... It's so bloody, and, like, and character gets cut open, and he's a cop. Like, what What superhero is a cop? Can we, can we talk about how cool you thought it was? That you needed to get artwork on your person. Well, if you fast forward, uh, says the man with the Star Wars tattoo and the Green Lantern tattoo. That's well, yeah, but 
Uh, oops, I have a dragon tattoo. <laughs> if you fast forward, I guess I got it when I was 18, so six more years after reading Savage Dragon for six years, I decided that's, to get that's the... That's dedication after six years to go ahead and it, get that Savage Dragon tattoo. Yeah, that book from from that day until many years later had been my favorite comic book and Eric Larson, my favorite comic book creator and... Um, Savage Dragon fans in podcast land don't get excited. He's since covered it up. <laughs> He's since become embarrassed uh, of his love for the Green Fin. No, I'm not. Em- I'm not embarrassed, but I had to complete the, um, you know, the sleeve, and it was just kind of getting in the way. Mm. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway. Um, I lost my train of thought. Somewhere Eric Larson is rolling his eyes. <laughs> as, as oh, his well, biggest ex-fan is digitally burying him. I'm not burying him. I still buy the book to this day. I've been buying it since the very first issue. and uh, I still like it to an extent. Um, so Eric, Eric Larson has been writing and drawing Savage Dragon since 93? Since 92. Since um, 92. And, and, he's, and he, he's pretty much always on schedule. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he writes it, he draws it, I think he inks it. And what I, and I, never, I never got Savage Dragon. The most I know about Savage Dragon is there was a cartoon for Savage Dragon. But um, what's cool about the book that I always thought was cool is that he does it in real time. So the characters have lived... 20 years since, or 21 years since he started. A lot has happened. A lot has happened. I, The character has gone through, you know, more shit in his 20 years than I have in my life. And um, Well, he does have a green fin. And yeah, well, an yeah, but... Is he true. an alien? Is that what he is? Uh, yeah, he is an alien. Um, but for the first 15 years, we never knew what his origin was. It wasn't until... And that was probably when he was a lot cooler, like Wolverine. And then we find out his origin, you're like, meh. Um, maybe. Uh, what, what was the uh, Image uh, anniversary book? Was it, was it the 10-year anniversary? It was, wasn't it? I think so. And, and it was. Um, and now they're at 20. They, Holy they, shit. They came out, and, and they're at 20, and we still haven't got that Image United number three that came out like eight years ago. Is it that? Remember that? Yeah, with Kirkman writing it. And everybody else, tr- like, trying to draw it. Like, they, yeah. they drew their own characters. I don't think it was 10 or 8 years ago. It was probably only a few years uh, ago. It might have been, it might have been technically three or four. Yeah. But, uh, it. It's been a while since only two number issues two came out. out. Yeah, only two issues. It came was going to be five, right? I think so. But the, yeah, the what the, what you're talking about is the anniversary. It might have been ten. It might have been fifteen. It, it was the ten. I remember. Um, so, uh, so ten years later, we find out what his origin is, and it turns out he's an alien, and he was actually this evil emperor from another planet that was going to um, take over the Earth and find a new home for all these other green finned characters and uh somehow i can't remember exactly what happened but he his people kind of revolt against him and kind of wipe his memory and then plug like tv and shit into his head and like make him learn all kinds of things um like different languages and history and stuff like that about you know our world then they send him off to earth and he's found in a burning field and that's where the first issue kicks off um so you uh, you got mainly you got the Savage Dragon. Did you get anything else or in the Image portfolio? Or 
No, I, I was I was into everything Image yeah. uh, when they first launched because of how much I liked um, the Savage Dragon comic book, and then like it, you know, as I got a little bit older, I started understanding like you who's who, creator wise. So once I found out Todd McFarlane actually created a new character Spawn, I had to buy that, and then I had to buy. Cyber Force, and I had to buy Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk looks exactly like Wolverine meets Batman, and he breaks. But he was black and had spines. AIDS. <laughs> and he's black, and he's got he AIDS. Laughs, but that's exactly what was going down. And I mean, who doesn't love that? So I don't love that. So I was into all that stuff because everything had, you know, its ties to the mainstream comics, but everything was just edgier you know it was more appealing to a 12 or a 13 year old there was more as you referenced there was more blood they could actually show they they showed dudes getting their heads cut off there's more sex there's naked girls all over and yeah. strategically really appealing to me at that point huge huge boobs but their nipples eric, were always covered eric larson could draw the best set of tits <laughs> I love Wizard Eric Larson's ladies were the best Mary Jane from Amazing Spider-Man great Wizard Magazine did an interview with him when he was kind of becoming known as the Howard Stern of the comic book world <laughs> and he said uh, when they referenced all of his giant boobed women he said I just plain like to draw big knockers. I lo- and I love that. I respect the hell out of that dude for that. I um Eric Larson always was one of my favorites for that reason. And since he's been supplanted by Frank Cho, who is now the quintessential drawer of sexy ladies in the comic book world. <laughs> That's true. The the patron saint of the of McSauce, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I just like you, I was I was into every single um, every single image book. Um, I knew about it from the beginning, and I remember whenever Youngblood, yeah, <laughs> podcasters, please Google Eric Larson, Mary Jane. <laughs> You'll be happy you did. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you don't like boobs, then you're going to be pissed. <laughs> but if you don't like boobs, why are you listening to us? Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> <Terrible>. <laughs> But uh, yeah, at, at the beginning, I I knew about uh, the move to Image. Um, I, I I bought Youngblood as soon as it came out. Was very disappointed. I don't know why I was disappointed. I, I, I never really liked um, X Force, New Mutants, or anything. I just was excited because it was the first Image book that launched. Right yeah. after that, then was um, Spawn. Spawn was pretty good, and and then uh, there was a whole big rush, like you were saying, Cyber Cyber Force. I got. The max. I got everything. I got pit. I got shaman's tears. Uh, I got, I've never. I've never heard of either. Tribe. Of those. I've got. Yeah, I got tribe. I got all that shit. I got all. Tribe had the big black cover gold with the foil gold embossed. foil embossed. I got supreme. I got blood strike. I got wet works. Was, I got was blood everything. strike spelled with a Y. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I Terrible. think it was. It was horror. Gen 13. Uh, J. Scott Campbell's yep. joint. Yep. Sexy. Fuck you, J. Scott Campbell. <laughs> that, was back yeah. when, that was back when he actually he did his <laughs> He used to draw a monthly book back then. Yeah. See, this is, a, this is a lot of comic talk that I can't relate to because I wasn't... 
There's no sentimentality attached <coughs> to those issues for me because I wasn't reading comics then. And I look back at that early 90s stuff now, and it's so hokey, and it's so over-the-top and corny and cheesy, it makes me want to vomit. But if I was a twelve, when I if I was getting that stuff when I was twelve and was involved in that universe, I might feel different. Yeah, I agree with everything Probably. you I said you about it. There except really get into it, it doesn't make me want to vomit. Um, I yeah, it's cheesy and hokey, but when I see it, I love it, and I'm like, oh, why aren't more comic books like this? What does make me want to vomit is you guys being so joyful about Nova Number One and being <laughs> so excited about that. Uh, why don't Why don't you talk about a little bit about um, is it Ed McGinnis that draws we, it? Who's um, writing it? We were going... The two books up for grabs as to the, the two current books we were going to talk about tonight were the Star Wars books or Nova by Jeff Loeb and drawn by Ed McGinnis. So we asked Ian, which which ones do you want to interview? And he said, fuck Nova. I'm not reading that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, Ian, why, why didn't you want... To read Nova, to review it with your two good buddies here on this podcast? I just, I, I'm i not big into space comic books. I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. I love science fiction. But I don't like that in my comic books. I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not rational at all. But I, I just don't like uh, a lot of space battles. Um, I can do Green Lantern here and there, but... Um, I, I can't really go with it. I don't know. There's just nothing that's appealing to me uh, about intergalactic warfare on on the printed page. And uh, there's nothing really intriguing about Nova. I, I never really liked... Maybe it's because back in the Amazing Spider-Man days, they would always try to force-feed Nova into Spider-Man stories. I remember that, yeah. And... Maybe I just hated him. See, I like space I, stuff. Yeah. I like big, you know, galactic stories and everything. But I don't think... I think I'd be pissed if Nova was in my Spider-Man comic. Because that's not the tone of a Spider-Man book. And maybe that's where it all... Maybe that's really where it all came from. You know the Abnett and Lanning Nova. The Nova that Ian's talking about existed in the early 90s and he was kind of like he was from the new warriors and uh a bad marvel superhero team well i never read it but i remember it and i remember you know they were kind of making a big push for him at the time as this rookie style superhero which is kind of weird because he was like around for decades before was that richard Ryder? i don't know i'm Mm -hmm. not sure but i remember when i when i bought the um the first series of Marvel trading cards, they, they had, like, categories. So, you know, you're all your heroes and all your villains, famous battles, and then it would get into, like, rookies. You had, like, a whole set of rookies. So, I remember Nomad was one. and uh, no, Nomad was Captain America, right? That Steve Rogers kind of lost his mind and decided, and no, then, no, no, and, and then they, you're, you're right, but that Captain was back no in the 80s. And then they changed it. And there was a different nomad with, like, a mullet and a shotgun. Yes. Yeah, well, he had a ponytail. A ponytail, I'm sorry. Um, Ponytails. Ponytails are a bad idea. If you're a comic book character and you have a ponytail, you're a bad character. Same goes with a mohawk. And fins? Fine. You can't help a fin. You're born with a fin. Mohawks are bad. 
Um, that young blood character with the crazy hair on the top and the long ponytail. Nineties comic hair was bad. Superman had bad. Well, nineties hair, hair in general was bad. It was just a reflection. Of the time. Bad. So ponytails on comic book characters, unless you're a chick, get the fuck out of here. Well, the Nomad in shortly after that that card series, he just had long hair, like you know, rock star long hair. Um, Thank God. That's <laughs> <laughs> but I love those uh, those trading cards. Were you ever familiar with those, Paul? The trading cards. No, no. that actually might be right no. there. What I think that predates me getting into comic books. That I think I bought been, those cards before comics. I got um, I got there were GI Joe cards that came out that were from the GI Joe comic book, and I, didn't I remember really get those. into that. But I got the cards. And I really liked the cards, and then they had the Marvel. Uh, the the Marvel trading cards, and then they went up to Marvel masterpieces, right. which were like the painted, yeah. uh, really beautiful looking cards that were like glossy and all that jazz. But I got I got all those things; those were really really awesome. But I think that um, a lot of my hatred for Nova does go back to um, they were trying to force him into Spider Man. It was Spider Man right after Eric Larson and Todd McFarlane had left Marvel. Uh, Mark Bagley was on Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man. And I fucking hated him so bad. For some reason, I just... Because he wasn't... Because he, he wasn't, wasn't my, my other guys. Yeah. And, and well, for, he was also not very good back then, He right? wasn't. And he also did something weird. Um, He's pretty good. He, he, added, he added nostrils to the Spider-Man uniform. Oh, I if you look, that. And for some reason, that infuriated the fuck <laughs> out of me. So that coupled with... Them trying to force feed Nova and and the new warriors in the, my Spider Man book that had just come off some really like epic stuff with Venom. There was some uh, Doctor Doom things going on, uh, Sinister Six. There's all this really good stuff, and then they had this arc that had um, Nova, had had Nova, Dark Hawk, Dark Hawk. Although I like uh... Dark Hawk. <laughs> yeah. Dark Hawk is like Wolverine because he's got with like wings a, with and wings. <laughs> And armor, he's got armor, but he's from space. Oh, but he did have—I don't know if he's from space. He is from, from is space. Is he? Well, he might be because he was part of the of the Dan Abnett, Andy Lanning run on Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova. The more recent stuff that came out in the last, I guess, six or seven years that I ate up. And I don't buy a lot of Marvel books, but I read all. Now, of Now, why is that? Why don't it. you buy a lot of I Marvel books? Tell me why you don't buy a lot of Marvel books <laughs> and why you like DC so much. I am this podcast's resident DC file. These guys, you know, when we first you met Matt... DC on the... It's uh, Naughty Parks. <laughs> <laughs> when we first met Matt, we would refer to him as Image Matt because he's such he's such an image guy. He still gets Savage Dragon. He still buys all those books. He might not read them, but he still gives those guys money. I'm only two behind on Savage Dragon, so... Ian's more the Marvel guy, like, even though he does nothing but bash the company. <laughs> he's, he's still a loyal Marvel guy, and I'm I'm, I'm the DC guy, and I, I think it's mainly because I like I want my heroes to be heroes, like I want I want them to be the the good guys, and Marvel superheroes aren't really superheroes besides Captain America, and I guess Spider Man to an extent, but most Marvel heroes are like the fucking X Men, they're like eh, I don't want to save the fucking people that hate me, I'm so fucking angsty. You have superpowers, fuck you. See, I love that shit, but part of the reason why I liked all that was because whenever I was growing up, I was that fucking whiny teenager, <laughs> so I was like, you know, try to chase Jubilee down at the mall. Yeah, get, getting into getting into comics in 
2000, when I was much older, I would think that I would skew towards Marvel because they have... Uh, I don't I don't know if I necessarily want to say they have more realistic stories, but they're set in the the real world. But I, I think I think maybe that might be it. It's it's almost kind of too realistic in Marvel. I like the bigger, grandiose heroes. I like big superpowers. I don't give a fuck about Daredevil, even though he kind of has a superpower. But I like Batman, and he has no superpowers. But he lives in this world with Superman and Green Lantern and Flash and all these big heroes that are actual heroes. That don't whine, they don't bitch, they don't fucking infight with each other all the time. I haven't seen a fucking villain in a Marvel book in like ten years. I agree. I agree. Well, I've seen one recently. His name is uh, Spider Man, and he's yeah. a bad guy. So DC has DC has the, the heroes I like. I want my heroes to be heroes, and that's what that's what DC does. And they also build build their their own world. They have you know, Metropolis, Gotham City, all these different you know fake cities, and I like that kind of world building. New York. Is boring. Like Star- there's nothing exciting about New York. Star City, Starling City, Star right? City, or Starling City, <laughs> which burns my ass to no end on the Arrow TV show. I don't know I why love. they can't use Star City. Know. It's so simple. It is simple. Starling City sounds like they're trying too hard to make it sound realistic. Just, just don't bother. Just own, own that shit. You're a fucking comic book show. Own they do, it. they do so many things right with that show. They do. They have fucking Deathstroke. In his full costume on that show, complete but with they're like, orange eh, we mask. don't want to do, uh, we don't want to do Star City. That's too wacky. Oh, what there was some, we had talked about at some point. I can't think of what it was. We had talked about some movie that like gave you balls out comic book shit, but then they pulled back on something else. It's like you're showing me you're you're getting balls deep into all this comic lore, but then like you're gonna do you're gonna take away something simple that. But I don't. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Don't worry, podcasters. We'll, we'll edit that. We'll figure out. it out. <laughs> but that's why you like you like more classic style heroes. I do, and, um, and I also like big. I like big sweeping stories, and I like all the space stuff, which is why I like Nova, and I liked the Dan Abnett Andy Lanning Nova because he was essentially Marvel's Green Lantern, and I'm a Green Lantern guy all the way, and he was Marvel's Green Lantern. He's part of the Nova Corps. He has special powers from his helmet. He's part of like galactic space cops, and he was cool. He's like, like he was like Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan, Richard Rider, and Han Solo are all the same kind of guy, and they're fun to read. They're fun characters. But this current Nova book that Matt Matt really liked, I think, is that correct? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'd say I really liked it. I liked it, and I see potential in it to be really fun it's it's a little different it's not the it's a different character it's sam alexander it's not richard Ryder anymore and he's 15 so i expected to pick up this book and get i knew it wasn't going to be richard Ryder, but i expected to to read a story about an adult but it wound up it's a it was a it was a fine book i'll get i'll get the next one but it felt like a very juvenile kind of book like you could give this book to any kid and they could read it. Paul made they the, could read it no problem. Paul made the comparison that it's kind of like Ultimate Spider-Man, like kind of approach for which Nova. isn't That's which what isn't they're a doing. slight. They're trying to match it up with the Ultimate Spider-Man TV show. Yeah, which is where exactly. That character which comes isn't from a slight on it. I own all the trades from the Brian Bendis, Mark Bagley Ultimate Spider-Man run, and it's it's great. It's such a good story from beginning to end. But I wanted something else. I wanted Green Lantern in the Marvel universe. From Nova, 
which I got with the Adam Atlantic stuff, and I, it's not the this current book is not that. And I, I went in with um, a bad perception of what I wanted it to be. So maybe when I read issue two, knowing what it's like now, I will be a lot more accepting of it. How did you feel about it, man? Uh, well, I, I think that it has a lot of potential to be a good a, a good series. Like, I got the impression that the main character is going to be interesting to read, even though he's young. Um, he he kind of reminds me a little bit of Luke Skywalker in the first Star Wars. You know, like he kind of hates where he is. He's actually literally stuck in the desert. Mm-hmm. It's set in Arizona. And, uh, you know, I think he wants bigger things for himself, but he's kind of stuck at home because he feels like he has to take care of his dad, who was a Nova before him. Um, and uh, he, he can't move on with his life. I mean, not that he necessarily expects to be a Nova, but he wants to get out of this town. And um, See, I, I, don't I didn't get that he wanted out of the town. I got that he just wanted his dad to stop living in the past and start living in the present and taking care of his family, Uh, which he kind of wasn't doing. Well, didn't he literally, like, ride his skateboard or whatever to the edge of town and then reluctantly turn around? Didn't that happen? Did I make that up? I don't know. I I guess it it sounds sounds familiar. (laughs) Did he look at... I mean, I read it, like, three whole days ago. Sun setting... No, it was did already night, but but it did create some pretty cool um, visuals. I thought with like kind of this interesting uh, landscape and everything. There there were a lot of like kind of pulled back shots where you see things from like above, and you just see like a lot of nothingness, and it's like a lot of nighttime shots. And I thought it had really pretty colors and everything. Um, so. I, I think what I like is the potential. I like Jeff Loeb. Uh, his his writing is always very punchy and just kind of like gets right to it. I don't like a lot of prose in my comic books. So like Jeff Loeb writes a good comic book. I, I don't think I've ever yeah. read a Jeff Loeb book that I haven't liked. And these at two, the least, I've been I've been mediocre towards it. Uh, I think it was. The Ultimate Three. You look like Jeff you're Lowe. you're trying to think of something to dispute that statement. No, 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 no. I'm just trying to make sure that I have it. Uh, I can right. dispute that. Um, the Ultimate Three. Uh, I want to say was one of the worst things that I've ever read, and I want to say that it was something that I was so upset about how they were treating these characters. And Jeff Loeb wrote this thing. It was Jeff Loeb, and I think it was... Um, Joe Majorera? Yeah. And it was... Majorera? Majorera? I don't know how to pronounce his name, but I, I, I remember Madurera. being so Madurera. so upset about it that it was one of the reasons why we started doing McSauce was because I was... I had a lot of things to say. I don't think I ever did a strip about it, but I know that I was, I was pissed about the way that Everything was handled in that book. Just the over the the, the way that they, they changed uh, the Hawkeye character. It was just all. It felt all extreme. It felt like ripped out of the nineties garbage. Was Ultimate Hawkeye the Hawkeye that gets taken prisoner and he's tied up and he winds up killing everyone in the room with his fingernails by mm. pulling them out on his own and flicking them into people's nets? That and sounds whatnot. like some ridiculousness. They always want to make Hawkeye into. Bullseye for some reason. That almost sounds like some bullshit that Mark Miller would write. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe it was. Mark Miller was on before, though. Yeah. Because I remember there was a lot of hype about changing. (coughs) Mark Miller created that Hawkeye I think it was Mark Miller Ultimates because that's when they killed Hawkeye's family. And it it was the next step. Like, it was that character that Mark Miller created. But that version of the Ultimates ended, and then they went and restarted. It was the Ultimates 3, which Mark Miller wasn't associated with. But it was that character that did that silly bullshit. Um, you sound like you hate Mark Miller, though. Um, no, I've liked some things that I've read from him, but but something that I've noticed the more I read his stuff is that he, in my experience, is not capable of writing a likable character. <laughs> Virtually every character I've ever read that he's written, I kind of don't. At the very least, I'm indifferent toward. No, I, I agree can, with that. I can get all the characters are kick-ass or fucking deplorable. Yep. Um, what was in Wanted? Everybody in Wanted is hateable. It's hard. It's hard for me to re- to read a comic book or watch a TV show or a movie where I don't like the characters. I still have a hard time with the Walking Dead TV show because so I find so little of those characters likable. And I and yeah, that's true about. Mark Millar. I haven't read Kick-Ass because I don't think I'm going to like it. I think because I come from the DC background of my heroes are heroes, and from what I've heard, all the characters in Kick-Ass are fucking dicks. Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, that's They're true. all dicks, and pretty... The, he goes one step further from making them have problems to just being just completely empty human beings. I still liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, in a, in a weird way, I do still like it, but it's almost in spite of that like glaring kind of flaw. There is almost nobody to root for in a lot of his Yeah, books. and I almost always I feel like I need that in, you know, anything. Like Paul said, movies or shows or whatever. Like I was just, the show that came to my mind is, do you guys ever watch Six Feet Under? I've never <laughs> watched that, no. Uh, it started out great, but the more you get to know the Is characters... Michael C. Hall on Six Feet Under? Yeah. yeah. The more you get to know the characters, the more flawed you realize they are. And, and every one of them eventually ends up being just a disgusting human being to the point where I I quit enjoying it. Because I, there wasn't any one character that I could even kind of like. See, I like flawed characters. I don't like horrible characters, but I like, you know, give me a good Peter Parker that has some problems that isn't um, isn't some uh, alien. But he's ver- he's very likable. He's likable. I'm just saying that I like I like flawed characters. Um, like with- Han Solo. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah. I would say so. But very likable. Yeah. Yes, very likable. He would Han Solo is more of like a Marvel kind of character, if you know what I mean, than uh, one of those perfect. Even even the characters that don't have superpowers in DC are still. The greatest detectives in the world at the peak of their, you know, physical prime and billionaires. So that's one guy. Yeah, and that or was he stranded on an island? But he's also in his physical prime and just is a great oh, shot with arrows. All right, that's two that's guys. Two guys. That's, okay. that's two guys. Okay, two guys. <laughs> and for as much as I love Arrow, the TV show. Sweet Father Christmas. Do they want that to be Batman? They want so that bad. to be Batman so goddamn bad. That's the only way you're gonna get a Batman TV series is to watch Arrow, and every time they say Oliver, <laughs> pretend they're saying Bruce. That's the only way you're gonna get. Great it. show though. I really like the way it's it's well done. It it's it respectful is. It's a, to the 
to the medium. It's a good show. The creators are nerds. They're comic fans as it is. They drop a ton of Easter eggs in, mm-hmm. like, all the time. Um, I'm watching it, and they'll drop Bloodhaven or something. I'm like, oh, oh, oh nerd stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that show, but they do really want it to be the, the Adventures of Batman. And and they're doing a they're doing a good job with it. And they're they and they can bring all those ground level, like Batman villains like Deathstroke and Firefly and Count Vertigo that would easily fit in a Batman book into this you know Bat Arrow TV show, <laughs> and it, and it works. Matt, I don't think you've seen Arrow, correct? I've not watched an episode yet. Really? Oh, and, well, I say stop. yet. I. I I kind of don't think I will. It, you're not really? a, I, you're no. not a TV guy, really. Right? No, not really. I I didn't think it looked very good from everything I've seen of it, and um, I watched an episode or two of Smallville. Uh, that was a train wreck. Whoa! Um, is, Whoa. is this the first uh, this is a Smallville house, sir? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hated that. Um, wow. How many episodes? Hate's hate a strong epi- word. Hate is a strong word. How many episodes of Smallville did you watch? Like, like one or two. One or two. Which from what seasons? Because I would Pro- agree mid- with this statement. Depending Somewhere on what season. Well, the like season one was a lot of that, you know, freak of the week kind of stuff. Which is which isn't bad. I mean, it can be done. It can be done well. Yeah. Su- one of the Supernatural's best seasons is season one, and it's really freaking. Oh, it is their yeah. best season. I don't. Uh, I, I don't know. This season's been picking up lately. I'm, I'm a Super, little far I think Supernatural's but... been really good this season. But Smallville, the, the first three seasons of Smallville, it lasted ten seasons. So you know the jury's all over the place for those last seven seasons. But the first three seasons, season two especially of Smallville, <laughs> is fantastic. I think I only made it up to season four, but it was just because of the bulk of how much I was behind was it was just, just a too lot. much. And DC might be behind Marvel and. Well, they're fucking light years behind Marvel in movie making, and they're always behind Marvel in the um, Although, in comic sales. But DC knows how to do TV. Yeah, they do. Um, I'm not sure DC is going to be behind Marvel after this summer, though. By the way, what do you think? Man of Steel is gonna. I think Man of Steel is gonna fucking tear the house down. It's I think gotten, they'll still be behind, but I think that that's a great move to get them. It's gotten in position to get up there. Good early reviews. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks good, but you can't push aside all the great films that Marvel has put out in a row. The way that they interconnected the universe—that was a bold move that they fucking pulled off, and it and it worked really good. I, I don't think you're gonna. I don't think you're gonna touch. I don't think DC is gonna touch Marvel in the in the movie business. Man of Steel might be good, but then they'll. They'll try to do another... They'll try to do something like Green Lantern and just flush everything else down the toilet. Well, did you hear about Nolan's supposed to be overseeing Justice League? If Man of Steel does well, he'll oversee that. And if he does that, they're talking about bringing Bale back as Batman. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's the only way that you can do it. I think they kind of need to do it that way at this point. Even you, if you have Batman in just a little bit. You need to have a, a Bale Batman. You can't have a Justice League movie without Batman. Mm-hmm. And it, be, it, need, it needs to be the Batman... That the fans, the massive fans, are familiar with. It has to be that guy. It can't isn't, be isn't it going to be John Blake? A little jarring the way Nolan has set up the Batman movies as being so hyper realistic to have a guy with a fucking power ring or they can fly. Well, they started to kind of nudge things a little toward the um, 
the outlandish in the the final Batman movie. Let's use I think a less negative word than outlandish. <laughs> well, I don't have my thesaurus with me right now, but um, they did the same exact ending as uh, Joss Whedon did in Avengers. You know, they took the nuclear bomb, except out. except the Hulk didn't catch Batman after the bomb. No, blew. no, no. That one spoiler minor, warning. Spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah, one minor detail, but it's the same. And who knew that they would be able to pull off the same ending? In the big tentpole movies, See, I wish Spider-Man would have taken that shit. The, the Nolan Batman movies could have would have gone a really long way to to be able to line up with all the superpowers in a Justice League movie if they brought Ra's al Ghul back in a Lazarus pit. But that's not real world enough for Chris Nolan, so we can't do that. We're gonna cast someone ugly as Talia. One of the hottest chicks in comics. <laughs> We're going to have to do our uh, our top three hottest chicks in comics. Maybe not now. But we'll do some research and have to have to do that. Natalia is really up there. And Mary, Marion Cotillard is not. And I know Chris Nolan just keeps bringing back the same group of actors. So he had to bring one of his favorites in. Fuck that she's ugly. I worked with her before. I'm going to use her again. I watched Inception over the weekend and it was like Batman. <laughs> it was like the <laughs> Batman reunion tour. Bane was helping out. Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the Man of Steel, to see how, you know, Nolan and Snyder handle somebody with, you know, really big time superpowers that can fly into space and do all that kind of amazing stuff. Um, you know, they're trying real hard to make him, you know, a fisherman and, you know, down to earth and everything. But uh, it'll be... I'm, I'm excited to see that movie. It looks good. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see, to see that movie. Mainly because I'm a big Superman guy and a big DC guy. And their movies have sucked so bad. And they've done nothing but shit on Superman and the comics. That I want, I'm tired of waiting for a good Superman. Just give me a good Superman. Because we haven't had one since 19-fucking-80. Are you excited about the Scott Snyder, Jim Lee Superman stuff that's coming out? And it's not Superman. It's like the Adventures of Superman or Stainless Steel Superman or it's something weird. There's an Adventures of Superman digital comic that's coming. And it's it's going to launch first as a digital, and then it's going to come to print. Kinda oh, like, that's the... Isn't that the one with that's all the... the Orson Scott card. Yeah, or, yeah. And it, We're and not talking about that one. <laughs> kind of like the equivalent of what they do with the Legends of the Dark Knight right now. Yeah. Uh, digital first stuff that eventually ends up, you know, on the, on the rack. Um... You're talking about... I thought it was called Man of, The Man of Steel. Is it called Man of Steel? I'm not really sure what it what it is, but um, it looks pretty good. I mean, Jim Lee, you can't really go wrong with that. Scott Snyder um, has has been great with everything he's done that I've read. I, I can't, you know, I, I can't doubt his ability to write Superman. But he hasn't done anything like that recently. Um, Batman's one thing. American Vampire is another thing. You know, Swamp Thing, but Superman? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know either, because everything that he's written, even Batman has, like, a little bit of a horror bent to yeah. it. And I don't know what he's going to do with Superman in that regard. I have a hard time picturing anything by him without kind of that little bit of, like, kind of dark... Um, 
kind of approach to it, which could be very interesting. Um, you know, he... <laughs> getting, Superman Unchained ooh, is what that's what he's called. Sounds sexy. Getting, I can't wait. Getting back to Image Comics, he actually wrote... Scott Snyder wrote a series called Severed. It was a six-issue miniseries, and it was a horror book, and it was actually awesome. Yeah, I, I've yeah. heard about that. I haven't picked it up, but I'll have to check that out. Of course it was. It was an image book. <laughs> well, it wasn't as good as Tribe, but it was still pretty good. I don't weird. even know what Tribe is. I'm going to have to show you all... I'll have to take pictures of all the crazy books that I... How about Death Blow? I had Death Blow. Remember Death Blow number one, red foil embossed uh, letters? I don't even know. Remember, and, and a black cover that you had to like hold at a certain angle to like see the black ink on the black. Like the Metallica black album. Sort of like that, yeah. And it was a close up of his face. And, and Deathblow was it was Jim Lee's like assassin book, but Jim Lee didn't really he didn't draw it. He like um, he watercolored it, or did like he did some different technique that it was a big deal that he was not like actually illustrating it. I don't remember what he did on it actually. Deathblow sounds dirty as all get out. <laughs> oh, by the way, I think I had a porno once called Death Blow. <laughs> it was sexy. Yeah, that's that's one of those '90s characters that I just I don't know. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure he doesn't have superpowers, and I probably hate him. Yeah, he looks he, like I, he looks like a, I think a street he's the, level character. I think he's just the Punisher. I'm pretty sure. He's Image's Punisher. Is he is he an Image? He's an Image. Character? Um, yeah, he's he was an Image character. That's not for tonight. Oh, yeah, I, he looks like he looks like Deadpool and the Punisher, and I just I, I can't do it. I think we're gonna take a quick break right now, and we'll be back in just a second. talk about Frank Cho. And patron saint of Mixos. Patron, patron saint of, of Mixos. He's appeared in a couple scripts. Not his artwork. Just his, his visage is drawn by us. His Frank, love of the sweet ladies. Ian says Frank Cho gets a lot of crap because he just draws hot chicks. And he doesn't get enough credit. Frank Cho draws two things well. Sexy chicks 
and dinosaurs. Hell yeah. And that dude more... can draw the fuck out of a T-Rex. <laughs> what more do you need than sexy chicks and a velociraptor tearing her bikini off? I don't think you need anything else in life. And I think, I I would... think Frank Cho throughout his career has been... Uh, has has been pretty open about yeah I just like drawing like um like Eric Eric Larson is like yeah I just like drawing hot chicks because everything he draws has hot chicks in it. That's the same way with J. Scott Campbell. He has um he has calendars full of I think they're just called straight up monsters and babes or something like that. He came out with a calendar for 2013 with uh, his versions of like fairy tale princess type chicks. Oh There's... yeah, I I saw that. There one back years ago. Years ago, there was supposed to be a Spider-Man book by Jeff, written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by J. Scott Campbell, that never came out. There was like I thought Kevin Smith was writing it. No, it was Loeb and Campbell. No, yeah, it was, and there was I know what you're. There was preview about. artwork for it for from Hot Gwen Stacy, J. Scott Campbell from Hot Gwen Stacy, and the way he drew Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane is insane. That artwork is so freaking hot, and J. Scott Campbell is a fucking dick. Because that guy can get by drawing covers and pinups, and he doesn't have to do real work. I would love to see that dude draw an entire run on a comic book, because he's so good. But he, he doesn't, but he doesn't need to go long. through all that stress of drawing the whole book, when he can make double on just doing some sexy cover. I think know, Adam Hughes good. had the same kind of... I think they asked him and, and pinned him down. Oh, like, Adam Hughes is so good. They were like, how come you don't ever do interiors? And he straight up said... You know, I could make the same amount of money by doing two covers. Jay Scott Campbell's do. book, Fairy Tale Fantasy 2013. Yeah. <laughs> Filthy. Filthy. Don't let your kids see it. It's <laughs> but, dirty. But podcasters, please go check it out because a chance I'm going to be looking at this stuff later. <laughs> Pantsless. <laughs> you. <laughs> well, I didn't say you were going to be there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm but gonna, I mean, I'm okay. Gonna. So we're mad at him for that, but we're only mad at him because we can't draw like that, or else we would be doing that same bullshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I would, the calendar I would be doing right that there. Same bullshit. Which is the calendar? Uh, that one. This. Yeah. Yeah. J. Scott Campbell draws super, super hot chicks, but not just that. <laughs> like much like Frank Cho, like. He's an accomplished artist. He can draw a lot of stuff. And J. Scott Campbell has a certain style to his artwork. It's, I mean, you can see a J. Scott Campbell face and you know exactly who drew that. But at the same time, like, he's able to incorporate caricatures to his style. Like, he can draw a Han Solo and it's going to look like his artwork, but it's also going to look like Harrison Ford. And that is a really underrated thing that he does um, to, to incorporate all that. A lot of people, it'll look like the person but it'll kind of look like they stamped that head on there or it's photorealistic but it doesn't look like um their style um i want to say oh i'm breaking a chair here buddy i'm sorry uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should have had one less piece of pizza <laughs> um who does that um brian hitch does it really well but all his stuff looks photorealistic um, and he's super late with all of his Well, books. Brian, yeah, I guess. Brian Hitch almost looks like the actual actors, not so much Brian a Hitch, specific style. Yeah. Brian Hitch almost has a little um, Greg Land. Greg Land, yeah. Him. 
where it looks like actors, but it looks like you could Google that image of yeah. that actor. Greg Land is the king of that stuff. Oh, boy. And he's been on the new Iron Man book, which, for some reason, I, I guess Marvel now means, like, Marvel immediately. Marvel right now, because... Who does? <laughs> um, Greg Land is drawing Iron Man, oh. the new Marvel Now Iron Man, and all of the Marvel Now books are killing my wallet because they come out like twice. Yeah, that's what... Twice a week. Twice a week. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's what Chip at, at, at my shop was saying. That the Marvel, and I have, the only Marvel Now books I've gotten were the space books, Guardians of the Galaxy and Nova. And he said that, like, I'm not going to have to wait long because they've been coming out like fucking gangbusters. They and have. I guess this, like, I've only seen stuff for... Or only paid attention to this Age of Ultron stuff recently, mm-hmm. and the finale's coming up in like a week. And I'm like, how the fuck did they run through this so fast? When I'm only, I thought it just started. I thought number did number one just come out this week. I thought I saw something what is it? with Age it, of it Ultron might have been conclusion. Absolutely. No, it might have just been number one came um, out this week. Yeah, but I mean, no. but honestly. Iron Man started in, I want to say, December or November. They're already on number seven. So they're, so, they're flying through it. And uh, I guess you can do that whenever you trace everything that you do, like Greg Land. Is that, is that all Marvel Now books? Or no, is that just the majority of them are What about out? all new X-Men? So I think that, they're up to number Is that affecting nine? the artwork? They're, they're very, no, because, you know, Greg Land traces. Uh, let's, just say, <laughs> let's just say that. I mean, that's why that's so quick. Um, all new X Men is up to number eight or nine, but they've switched off artists because yeah. it was uh, Stuart Imogen for the first four, and now it's somebody else who's who's doing a good job, but not good enough for me to remember their name. <laughs> who who doing all, working on what? What whoever is on all new X Men right now? I don't know. They're doing a decent job, but I don't know who the, what their name is. I don't get that book. I don't like the X Men. Um, <laughs> but. All the other Marvel Now stuff has been coming out really crazy fast. I'm trying to think. Captain America has been coming out pretty fast. That's Romita. That's Romita Jr. Yeah. Um, Thunderbolts is Steve Mark Mark Way. So see, Steve I would Edward. I would think that on such a rush for the schedule and these books coming out so frequently that the artwork would suffer in it. No, but but they're switching off artists and that's how they're getting away with it. I think. Um, well, the, see, that would that would piss me off. I love I love me a good run. That's all the same artist. That would piss you straight. off. You must be really I pissed agree. because that's what DC does all the time. Switch artists? Hell yeah. Switch artists in in, in the middle of a page, they'll switch <laughs> artists. They don't give a shit. Yeah, and and for, like, you know, I'm a DC fan, but, you know, like being a fan of anything, you're going to hate stuff that they do. And DC is king of filling artists. You, you find a book and, like, that fucking Wonder Woman book. That isn't even all that. Yeah, who, it, it is. There, it's I always, the, like, it's always Azarello and Cliff Chang's Wonder Woman. Azarello and Chang. But it's not. Where's Cliff Chang? But at? it's fucking He's tied up in somebody's basement because he hasn't drawn the book in like. But it's Azarello, Chang, and Tony uh, Tony Akins because yeah. he's drawn just as many issues as Cliff Chang has. Yeah, Tony point. and Tony Akins, while trying to emulate the style pretty close, it's kind of eh. it's it's fine. And if Tony Akins did it from start to finish, Maybe it would be I wouldn't I, I wouldn't question it at all. But yeah. just the fact that it's another book that's changing up artists, and I don't know why the fuck Green Lantern needs five fucking inkers for twenty pages. Yeah, that's another thing that DC does, which is insane. Um, what was that? There was a Justice League book um, that had. I want to say it seriously did have like six anchors 
credited on on it. I, yeah, I, I wasn't with I wasn't being facetious with five anchors. Yeah, like, yeah. Green Lantern for the last so many issues has had five different anchors on it. It's really crazy. I don't. And it's, know it's if if any if anyone just picks up that book and flips through it, you know, it's it's very subtle to a non comic book reader. Would you take a late book over a fill in book? I would. I would take a reasonably late book over a fill-in book. Would you take a month? A month is a month late. Reasonable. I would take a month late. I would not take All Star Batman late. All Star Batman seven years late. The <laughs> the uh, Grant Morrison Jim Lee Image joint. United late. <laughs> Image United yeah. late is ridiculous. Um, Image United what three years since the last we're, issue of that we're going to have to I'm, fi- I'm finding it out right I now. think we can just accept the fact that Image United number three will, will never, never happen. come out it, it's done going back to the the Jeff Loeb the Jeff Loeb J. Scott Campbell Spider-Man book that was announced and it was there was promo for it and then it just disappeared I think I would prefer a fill-in issue like with a kind of like a fill-in story Rather than a fill in, oh, yeah. a fill in artist on like the main story, um, yeah. Like a, if the artist like a isn't up to par, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if the artist isn't kind of up, you know, up to par with what you're used to or of the same caliber as the regular guy. Um, I understand drawing. Well, I assume to understand drawing a comic book as your job <laughs> is hard work and a daunting task to to burn through. 20 pages of something a month. I've never done it myself, but I assume it's tough, but that's your fucking job. And one thing that endeared me to Keith Giffen, who is a DC artist and writer, is that he pretty much called out, like, J. Scott Campbell, and these guys are just late and just don't give a shit because they have they have a big enough name, they have a big enough portfolio, that they can do and they have the enough clout that they can be like... They can be late on a book. They can start. Uh, they can start a job, and then eh, I'll get around to it. I'll finish it when I want to finish it. That's and Keith Giffen said, like, that's your job. That's what you're being paid to do. Fucking do it. I can completely understand the traps of how they're. Late. I mean, I, I don't accept it, but I can see why they're late. They were, you know, these dudes probably work at home. I don't know. know. What's on TV today? No, they get busy playing fucking Halo and shit like that. (laughs) Here, okay, so at the Pittsburgh Comic Con, maybe about six, seven, maybe even eight years ago. I don't know. Uh, It was a while ago. When the last Image United book came out. When the last (laughs) Image. Okay, hold pause. (laughs) We have a verdict on 2009 was. Number zero, number one, and number two came out. 2009. Okay. 2009. About four years. And then there was a nine-month delay <laughs> in between two and three. This is supposed to be a six-issue miniseries. Uh, number four has not been Oh, so produced. three did come out. Three did come out. Oh, okay. There was a nine-month. Todd McFarlane personally took responsibility for the delay. Of course he did. <laughs> um, it's... it's- it's bullshit. It I don't care bullshit. if he's like, hey, sorry guys, my bad. Don't fucking apologize. D- Do it. Get it done. Don't promote something and, you know, announce this and promise that you're going to get this book out. Because you have fans out there waiting It was for a it. horrible idea in the first place. How You know, you're going to have all these artists draw their own characters in one big book. The All these artists that are notoriously, the, the foundation of their company is that they're late fuckheads. I don't know how 
image still exists and, and is the third biggest superpower in comics based on the because, history well, of these guys. Well, because they changed. I mean, Image Now is not the image that we've been talking about earlier in the podcast. Image Now is Robert Kirkman and a bunch of other writers that I can't name because I'm God's, really God's gift to comic books, Robert <laughs> Kirkman. It's all, yeah, it's all a lot of non-superhero related stuff. God's gift to comic books and AMC television. So, anyway, the the little anecdote that I was trying to say before we got sidetracked so, Sorry, was, I had to let the fans out there know about Image United. Thank you. Well, that that's good information to know because I thought that we were still waiting for number three. <laughs> so, uh, I, was at, I was at the Pittsburgh Comic Con walking around and Michael Turner had a, had a table there. The late Michael Turner. The late... Michael late he died Turner. not late not late his books. <laughs> however he was late on his books and I don't want to <laughs> speaking ill of the dead I don't want to speak ill of the dead but this is a this is a fact when I walked by his booth he was more interested in playing the the halo on the Xbox that they had set up behind his table than he was promoting any Are the comics walls bleeding <laughs> and I was like just uh, astounded by kind of his uh, disinterest in comics versus like other uh, forms of entertainment. Yeah, and uh, I mean he seemed nice, but he he just did not seem into it. And Michael Turner was a premier artist, but Michael and I don't know Michael Turner personally, but Michael Turner is one of those guys that had enough clout and enough fan enough of his own fan base that he could do what he wanted. He came out of that whole. He came out of the image thing. He was. His big book was Witchblade. Sexy girls, tiny noses. <laughs> tiny bikinis, tiny noses. <laughs> and big butts. Big, oh. Oh, oh, image comic books, kids. <laughs> See, you would love, you would have loved it. It's like, it's, like like it's, it's like you have a hundred. It's like you have a hundred points well, to build your character now. out of. It's like you have a hundred points to build your character out of, so you got to give like seventy-five to like the tits, and like only three or four is left over for the nose. You probably know. Do you remember how to draw the marble way? Those books. Absolutely. Those. How were... to draw the image way must have been on the playbook. <laughs> I was I was busy scrambling for the J.C. Penny lingerie category. How good Cat- lingerie book, and you guys were all over image. Uh oh, technical difficulties. No, no, we're, we're still okay. What are, you, what are you saying, man? Well, it's choppy and like the looks because more... we're all that. That's um... no. It just looks. No. It, just, it looks real big and fat now. Oh. Yeah, oh, we're looking. We're look. I don't even know what that's called. <laughs> <laughs> we're, look, we're, looking, we're at, looking at the seismic readings of this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it looks like. It, it so looks like we're in for a big uh, <laughs> an so avalanche. Ins- Why is it so insane? I don't know. It used to be normal. <laughs> Maybe Matt had hit that space where it did something. Is it still recording don't now? Blame me. I hope so. It, it looks like still good. It looks like it's recording still. So I think. Well, guess we'll find out. Later. I mean, if it, if it isn't, at least we're having a good talk. Yeah. We are. You we know, are. It'll, it's good practice for the real <laughs> episode number one. <laughs> This is episode point zero zero five. Oh, point one titles. <clears throat> Which is Michael the, Turner. I was gonna, I wanted to talk about the JC. <laughs> well, I'm I'm busy looking at the JC Penny lingerie catalog, and you guys are looking at. 
but you image, think that, image books. You think that we weren't doing that too? <laughs> to get your rocks off. Uh, but image books were great because you had those chicks running around and they uh, they were shooting laser beams out of their boobs and stuff as well. So. Like that Gen 13 chick? Yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't out of her boobs. It was Gen 13 of Michael Turner book? No, it was uh, J. Scott Campbell. Uh, yeah. That was yeah, like I his first big work. So, Michael Turner at this Comic Con was more interested in playing Halo, so he wasn't doing he wasn't doing commissions for people? He I don't... just playing... He may have Xbox. been. He may have been. I'm not sure, but he... he was doing them there with was, one hand, there was, playing the Xbox with the other. Yeah, there was like his literally <laughs> an Xbox and a television hooked up behind his table. Like, you just don't see that shit at comic book conventions. And he, like, what, he brought his... What year his was this? What year was this? little game room with him to, the, to the show. Turner at a comic book convention <sighs> back in, like, oh... Yeah, I guess we're. I guess we're. I saw. Did it might we have been a line for that. We walked past the line. The line, was, the line insane. was insane. Was we, that was that the same convention that I got to meet Petrovarkaik? I think it was down in that uh, creep alley. Playboy playmate down in creep alley. She was so sweet, and she called me sweet. Oh, how nice! Don't you still have the? You still have the picture. I still have you? the picture. I was about uh, probably. I was on a little thinner, just just as handsome. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it, uh, I want to say that it was probably the same Comic Con. Now what? No, uh, it probably wasn't because no. the, if it was okay. five, it, it probably was before that. It was we're probably going back because I think Xbox came out in like two thousand one or something. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're probably looking at like oh two, oh three, something like that. What was the first Comic Con that you ever went to? Because I only went, I only went really like it was oh five or oh six with you know me and Paul went together. That was the first time I ever went. I think my first was maybe like 2000, 99, something like that. Yeah. Um, it, it it was pretty cool. Yeah, we only went, I think it was 2005 or 2006, and we went, and we went a couple years in a row we pretty did. steadily. And that was, and that was, that was early, that was when I was still getting into comics, I was more into just general... Nerd stuff. Like, weren't you, you know, looking for? You were looking for the big, tall Star Wars action figures, weren't you? Yeah, I, I have a shit ton of Star Wars shit in my garage. I worked at Toys R Us for a long time. I worked at Toys R Us when Phantom Menace came out, so I was there and, and before that. So I was there for all the Power of the Force figures, where they had fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger starring as Luke Skywalker, where his fucking robe was ripped open and he was just ripped. Six-foot-tall lightsabers. <laughs> Six-foot-tall lightsabers. I have. It was long... all the same body. Like, Leia looked like that. Princess Leia had the same body as Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I have a rare, still-in-card, long lightsaber Luke Skywalker from that Power of the Force set. Wow. But yeah, we went to the Comic-Con, and I didn't go for... Because I wasn't into comics then. But I was you know, always big into Star Wars. I was looking for the 12-inch figures and just, uh, just general nerd paraphernalia. I'm sure, you know... Transformer stuff and He-Man, but that was before. Like I'd be going, you know, scouring for Green Lantern stuff. Even nowadays, um, even back then, I would go and not really look through all the bins and look for individual comics. I, I would go to Comic Con for 
more like t-shirts and even just to look at the, uh, this is going to sound really weird just to see the artist just to look at them not even to really go up to them and it's talk for comic con if you're listening bring back the fucking t-shirt booth because yes. it was missing last year and it was a severe letdown yes true i agree and also some better artists please. one of the rare things that all three of us oh, will agree you. on <laughs> <laughs> Enough with these uh, artist alley hacks. I'm just kidding. Oh, that was a shot. That was a shot across the bow at Ian and myself. But it was a joke, so it's okay. I think he kind of meant it. Last year we were uh, there was a little, little bit of truth in there. We we had our first experience as being an artist in artist alley, and uh, we had the pleasure of sitting. At the rim of Comic Con, like right at the edge of the world, the outer rim, yeah, the outer rim. Like, absolutely right, right before the butthole. <laughs> Only people that had gotten lost came back to see the McSauce booth. Well, what we had going for us is that we faced the Stanley line, and I don't, I don't really know if it had any you know, positive effect for us or not. But Stanley was there, and his line snaked right in front of our. Our table for you know, a couple, a good good while it was out there. Yeah, yeah. So for a couple hours, we had people just kind of looking at our booth, at least a little bit. We're very bad at promotion. That's why we think maybe this podcast will help out. A, a lot of a lot of what would happen is like there were a couple there were a couple I guess legitimate artists at the first couple tables, and then they get to us and they see our stuff, and then they realize, oh. You're a webcomic. <laughs> we also were handing out a postcard that was all about 80s cartoon dick humor. And, but it looked pretty family friendly. So yeah. we had to be real careful yeah. about uh, children picking up our, our penis humor. <laughs> as we always are very careful. <laughs> we, Ian's, Ian's more careful. I have a buddy, Wayne, who has two kids. I... I don't remember how old they are right now. Fifteen and sixteen. <clears throat> no, they're like seventeen or fuck, 17. seventeen. They're like they're like five and eight or something. Sorry, guys. And um, he they like reading the strips on McSauce, but he always has to filter them out and read them first to make sure that they're child friendly. Because normally, normally they're not. There's a lot of curse words and blurred out peni. So speaking of artists in Artist Alley, <laughs> Matt, you are an artist as well. Do you have uh, something that you'd like to talk about or anything to promote? Well, no, not really. Um, because because Matt does a lot of really good stuff, and it just sits at his house, and it doesn't go anywhere. No one sees it. Every <laughs> so often, he'll, he'll bring something in to show me, and I'll be like, oh, man, that's really cool. And then he's then back in the vault. <laughs> like, like Indiana Jones, if you open yeah. it up, all the Nazis will Oops, melt. Um, the, truth is, the truth is, I'm actually an amazing artist, um, and, and I'm better than Todd McFarlane, but I'm not going to show anybody the Star Wars anything. Star signed, that signed that thing? You I don't remember her real name, but the, the, um, the character in Star Wars is... Uh, B- Bassif Offy or something. I know that her last name sounds like coffee without the C. Mm. So somebody signed something that you did? Yeah, the actress that played um, like a character in episode two, she was like a Jedi character, was at the Comic-Con 
one year, and I met her, and, um... Was she, her claim to fame was episode two? I think so. I think she was, you know, kind of a background character, although they have expanded her, um, relevance in Sarah's Star Wars. Sophie. Like, that character, I think, is on the Clone Wars TV show now. Yeah. yeah, there she is. Um, but, anyway... I take her to Poundtown. <laughs> Podcaster, she is uh, green with a hood. If you would like to decide on Poundtown for yourself, she's not green. Well, she's a little green. That's she's. Green. I think she's Australian. Like, uh, oh. She. She looks kind of like. I think she was. That's green. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, Indian descent, but like you anyway. She Hulk. <laughs> I would bang she Hulk in a second. She. I thought it was pretty cool, and you know, I thought it was pretty exciting to you know meet like. A character from Star Wars, so I ended up going home that that afternoon, and I went and up to I your bedroom. and I went up to my bedroom and you took know took my pants off. What else did I do, Paul? That's Were you there? <laughs> <laughs> and and while I had my pants off, I I drew a picture of her. Um, I do. Find a nickel for every time I heard that story. Yeah, I do vector uh, drawings like in. Adobe Illustrator, and uh, they have kind of an animated um, kind of quality to them. So I uh, quickly drew a picture of her, uh, and when I say quickly, like I managed to get it done, you know, like that night, which for me is pretty like fast. lightning. <laughs> well, I and, mean, if you're doing vector drawings, for those who don't know, that can take hours and hours and hours to do things like that. It's it's not because he's lazy. It's because it's very intense. Well, there's it's that and... because he's lazy. I was doing <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. But, uh, so, I, I managed to, you know, get it done. I printed it, uh, and I brought it in, and I thought it would be cool if she signed it. I didn't really know what my end game was <clears> if I wanted <throat> to give it to her. Blowjob. Or, well, there's that, but... If I wanted to give it to her, or if I just wanted her to sign it, and she ended up signing it, of course I paid twenty bucks for her, which is <laughs> you had to work on it and pay for the. Signature. And she was she was so excited, and she she's said, like, "Dear sucker," she she asked if I could send her, you know, a picture of it, and I said, "Oh yeah, absolutely." So she gave me her email, but um, I I lost it, so I never sent it to her. Oh, so whatever well, your name is, this, if you remember, is horrible. you got no, ripped we, off. We, I, I usually do get ripped off. Oh, no, Amy Creshawn. If you're listening, and we know you are, honey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was so slimy. <laughs> that was so slimy. Podcasters, uh, Brizzle is in the house, looking very thin, might I add. Looking very fucking red. Jesus, is it hot out there? Brian's, um, Brian's Brizzy, the Briz on the strip, and he's a fairly pale gentleman. He's very, very Norse-like, and apparently he was in the sun all fucking day because he looks like a lobster. <clears throat> so, Matt got looks rough. like a bodybuilder. You've been working out there, player. Look at you. You guys want to get a room? <laughs> So Matt got roped by Nalina Kushan for $20. Did you know you were going to have to pay for it, or was it a surprise at the end? Because Kenny Baker gave me a surprise at the end. I don't even want to know what this this means. so dirty. When R2-D2 stole fucking $25 from me. 
How did he steal he it from you? He gave you a surprise <laughs> at the end. This is the Red Light District McSauce podcast. How did he? How did he like surprise you? I, this was this was probably the same. It was probably the same Comic Con where I met Petra Verkaya, who I, I, I'm sure I had to pay something, but I got got to talk to her. Got yeah, a picture you, taken. and you knew that's, and I, that's and I the knew, deal. Yeah, that was the deal. I knew I knew going up like there were signs. You know, if you want, if you just want an autograph, if you want a picture, this is how much each one of those are. Blah blah blah. Well, Kenny Baker of R2D2 fame, the guy in the costume in the original trilogy, was he in the prequels too? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or they just fucking digitize him. No, no, he no. was he was in the tin can. Yeah, I, I don't think that. Yeah, that wasn't CG. Well, this was what was it like two thousand ish, uh, sometime after, but it had two thousand two thousand three. And I was I was going around by myself at the time, and I was a Comic Con virgin. Like I, this I, I went years ago, years ago. My mom took me, and I think it's really? it's very cool now. Like when I think back, like back then, I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? I don't want to be here. But my mom was always a big Star Trek fan, the big original trilogy, original series fan. Yeah. And William Shatner was at a Comic Con. Sexy. <clears throat> what Shatner we're gonna do? Sexy at Comic Con. What we're gonna? What um? What I'd like to incorporate with these podcasts? Why are you making that face? <laughs> is it, for the podcast community, if you're listening, would like to get a page up on Mixos proper with the images that we were looking at, like Matt's picture with. Um, Barris O'Fee and you know my picture of Kenny Baker fucking me for money. <laughs> I so, also have a picture of me uh, with Stan Lee. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That that's a funny picture, and it's it's something that we'll have to we'll have to post. We, up. we will. We promise that we'll put whenever we post this podcast, we'll have. <laughs> When we post this podcast, we will have all these images so, uh, so you can all play Matt's, along at home. Matt's picture with Stan Lee is Matt in the foreground and Stan Lee about 20 feet in the background. Matt standing him. in front of the aforementioned McSauce. Uh, <laughs> but it's indisputable. It's it's a picture of me uh, with, with, with Stan Lee. Lee. Yeah. So, call from my family. What was what was very answer. cool that I didn't appreciate at the time when I was a kid. My mom being a big Star Trek fan went down to see um, William Shatner. I think it, um, it wanted some it had to be late eighties, and he came out. He came out on stage to Rod Stewart's "Forever Young," mm-hmm. and to this day, every time I hear "Forever Young." I think of William Shatner. <laughs> and he came out, he answered questions. I wish now that I would have been more interested and paid attention because from what I remember, he was way into it, you know, he's the king of Star Trek. And he Talking. gets a pretty bad rap. He does, he gets a bad rap hating for, on the fans. Just and... being a dick in general. So but I like from what I remember back then it was really cool. I, I just wish I would have I would have appreciated it more. Right. So we're in 2000, 2003, somewhere around there, and I get split off from the group when I'm walking around, and I see Kenny Baker at a pretty empty wall of Comic-Con where some other random, oh, it was the alien fucking Farscape. Let me get your autograph. No, thank you. And he's and they put Kenny Baker there, and I'm like, what the fuck is Kenny Baker with these fucking bums? <clears throat> Sorry if you were an alien on Farscape. <laughs> So I, I, I go up, and Kenny Baker may be the greatest salesman of all time. Because so, he's so friendly, 
and he's so natural. And I got like a, hey, buddy, you want an autograph? <coughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. So I sure do, Kenny Baker. Gee, mister. So he's, I like, really? come on. he's like, come on over here, buddy. And I go over, and he takes his 8x10, and he signs it, and then he's like, 25 bucks. And I was like, what the fuck, Kenny Baker? Because I wasn't playing. I wouldn't have gotten his autograph had I known I was I was going to have to pay for it. Yeah. And it sounds jerky, but I don't need Kenny Baker's autograph. Since I have it framed, it's down in the basement somewhere, but he to- you, he totally didn't let on that I was going to have to pay for this thing. You could have just said, oh, no, and walked away. How old were you? But then he would have insulted R2-D2. Yeah, you can't do that. that. Well, uh, coincidentally, R2-D2 insulted me uh, at a Comic-Con. Kenny Um, Baker? Kenny Baker. Damn. (laughs) Jesus. Why don't I have a Kenny Baker story? (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he was very nice. We were talking about, I think, it was right before Episode 2 was coming out, and we were... Having a little talk about it and everything, and we were still in the haze, thinking that episode one was still kind of good, and we were tricking ourselves <laughs> at that point. And uh, he said that wasn't tricked. He loves those movies, but that's oh, shit. that's, that's, a, that's a giant size podcast oh, for another time. That's right. That's true. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. So you met you met Kenny Baker at Comic Con. I met Kenny Baker at Comic Con, and uh, he was he was nice. Although when I left. And, and honestly, like, I didn't know if I should shake his hand. Like, it was nice to meet you because if you've ever seen Kenny Baker's hand, it's it's a hand. And look at your hand right now. It, his fingertips came to, like, the top of your first knuckles. Oh, wow. Like, that was his hand. So, like, if you shook hands, could he even, like, wrap those things around your hand? I don't know. So, like... As I watched him try to hold a pencil when he was signing the um, the pictures, I thought, I don't want to try to shake, like, I don't want to shake hands with him because it's going to be weird and uncomfortable. Uh-huh. So I didn't do that. And maybe that's why he said to me as I was leaving, I hope your hair gets better. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Baker doesn't fuck around. Oh, wow. Fuck that wow. guy. Well, I guess I know I still next like Comic Con who I have to hunt down so he can insult me <laughs> or uh, take my money. I don't care. I still like Kenny Baker. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe he was just, maybe we caught him on a couple bad days. I think he was fucking around. I don't think he was trying to be. I him. hope your hair gets better is pretty insulting. <laughs> well, you didn't see my hair in 2002. Maybe it was. It wasn't this? It was a different was, hairstyle? It was pretty much this. Matt's standard spiky hairstyle. I probably used different product then, but we don't have to get Did, into didn't that. Didn't we now. all? Didn't we all? <laughs> 2002 was so long ago. Yeah, Comic Con feels a lot different now, going from those those first couple times, and I, I think a lot of it probably has to do with my perspective, especially it's just a this big production now. It is, and especially this last time since we were, I guess, actually part of the show, we weren't just going to you know look around and buy stuff. Well, we got to see some of the inner workings. Maybe that had a little bit to do with it. Um, you know, we, we got to see some of the real elaborate setups that had, I mean, like spinning diorama kind of deals and lights and all kinds of different shit was out there. And a lot of people put a lot of effort into their stuff. We kind of threw up a banner and we're like, all right, come <laughs> yes. check us out. But um, 
Doesn't matter how, how many lights or power techniques you have, if you can't draw, you can't draw. That's true. But yeah, it, it, it was uh, certainly a, a big deal this time, and um, you know, I guess we'll be going back this year. We'll be um, going back this year, I believe it's September 27th and 28th at the Pittsburgh Comic Con, and September 3rd and 4th at the Baltimore Comic Con. So if anybody wants to come out and see any of our beautiful work, or you want to see it beforehand... <clears throat> Just go to mcsauce.com. M-C-S-O-S-S dot com. That's correct. We should have really thought about that name whenever we started this off. It's so complex for people to understand. Yeah, we should have just like called it comics. <laughs> what, Comic what book comics. guys. And if you want to see Matt's work, email him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you could do that. Um... But I really don't have much. I I have some uh, characters that I would eventually like to, I don't know, pitches maybe like a cartoon or something like that. But I don't really know how you do that. I looked it up a little bit and it seems pretty intense. So well, you can always start off with just you know putting out maybe just getting some of your work out there. Even putting up uh, you know like a Tumblr with some of your information on it and just couple pictures of the things that you're working on that might be you know i'm not t- telling you what to do i'm just saying that it would be cool to see some of your work i think that i, I don't even get to see your stuff <laughs> i think matt needs to just draw more on a regular I, basis. yeah i need to get back into the swing of things i i feel like you know it's always one thing or another but uh you know with doing just excuses with doing mcsauce ian and i are drawing on, on a regular basis you know we're doing you know one or two strips well, two strips a week I guess is what we have to do. So we're kind of forced into sitting down and, you know, working out some stuff. But, you know, Matt doesn't have any anything breathing down his neck to get anything <laughs> out. So he's a little more lax about yeah. actually creating and putting stuff down. So if anybody out there uh, listening could please um, harass me into working harder, <laughs> I'd appreciate just it. Just sit down a little bit. Just sit down a half hour a day and draw some stuff. Something that's cool about having, I mean, it, it it's a deadline. And we owe it to people that pay attention and owe it to each other to, you know, create the strips in a timely fashion so that on Tuesday we'll have something to put up there. Will we? Because <laughs> I haven't done anything. Uh, we're gonna. It's we're gonna. This week's this week's strip Tuesday morning. Uh, we're gonna be looking down the barrel of crunch time. Yeah, I mean, I can have <clears throat> something, but uh, that that is something that's good. Um, you have to keep up on drawing. You have to do it every single week, or you know you won't have anything to put up and uh, show people. And people do. Um, we don't have millions and millions of fans, but we do have people that comment on things that talk to us personally. That'll text us or um, do something on on Twitter or Facebook and say, "Hey, I like that." And you feel obligated to those people that you have to give them something because you're the only person that can create. Um, obligated, but, such a negative word. I I, I feel obligated. I, it's not it's not negative. It I, there's an obligation. They took time out of their day to you know go to our site or check out our Facebook or leave a comment or even hit a like button. Sure, it's very easy, but not everybody does that. So you know, I, I feel like there's an obligation to uh, to help to 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 hold up my end of the bargain. And it's also pr- it's also pride on our own part to meet these self-imposed deadlines that we've made for ourselves and to be able to say that for as long as we've been doing the strip we've never missed 
We've never missed a post date because there's a lot of web comics out there that we read ourselves. Who That's pretty impressive. I've gotten kind of lax, and you know they'll just kind of skip off and don't put anything up. And it's disappointing when you want to go find that and they haven't updated in months. We're looking at you. Let's be friends again. <laughs> we we really can say that that we have not missed a we haven't missed a post. Uh, we we put them up. Um, if if they're even if even if it's a few hours later in the day, it still hits it on the day, and um, it's something. It there's there's something to the work ethic that we have that that I'm proud about. It goes into the stuff that we were talking about with comic book artists. Um, you, you get upset with guys that have nine month delays or even a month delay. That's your job. This isn't even our job, and we make it a priority to get you know strips up. Not just strips. We it's do more of a priority than what actually pays me money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not just strips. We do reviews, and you know, we, we do a lot. We put a lot of work into the site, and uh, even more so now that we're going to have this podcast and um, you know, sit around and talk about comics. Someone's going to have to add a podcast tab. I'm looking at you, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a Podomatic page. It's not going to have anything. Well, if you're listening now, it will have something on it. <laughs> So let's let's get into Dark Horse's Star Wars books. I, I originally they Dark Horse um, Dark Horse has owned the Star Wars license for a long time, and I don't read Star Wars comic books. I'm a big original trilogy guy, and I've read a handful of stuff, but nothing's ever done to me. Much like Ian's aversion to space stuff and comics, I just can't get into Star Wars and comics. But Dark Horse promoted the shit out of this book. There was, I mean, there's every comic site you go on, you know, there's banner ads for it, there's background ads, everything, Star Wars, Star Wars, mostly because it's just titled Star Wars, it takes place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. I wasn't going to buy it, but then I read, I read the write-up for it that said, that is a really sexy shot of Princess Leia, look at those hips. I read the write-up that said, the writer Brian Wood is essentially doing what he wants to do with this book and it sounded like to me that he was taking a new hope and that's all the information he had to go on and he was just going to make up his story as he went and that sounded really interesting to me and that's what got me to buy the book now did you really think that he was going to go with no knowledge of luke and leia being brother and sister, did you really think he was going to go down? Because yeah. I just thought it was going to be stories and I've, filling in between. Um, well, that's what it and is. That, and, and that's, and, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what, what it is. It it's be. just a story to fill in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. But from what I read, I thought it sounded like he was just taking knowledge from A New Hope and then just writing the story after right. that. However he wanted, which is probably sort naive like, on my part because well, George Lucas would never allow it. That's yeah. what I thought as well. And, and it sounded sort of like... Um, you know, if it ended up being what we thought it was going to be, so you kind of like you Star Wars, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I thought it was going to be somewhat like Star Wars Infinities. Do you remember that series? Oh, I loved that. I, I really like Star Wars Infinities. Oh, Do you remember that? Love it. Here it comes. Well, well, uh, I never read Star Wars. Like it. Like it. Do you know what it is? I liked it. Uh, no. It basically took an aspect of uh, A New Hope and um, changed it, and then. Basically, spoil it. I'm not going to read it. Looked at how that affected kind of the the rest of the storyline. So I think in the first they were one, like what if or yeah first world's tales for Star. Wars. What was it in the first one? Luke doesn't blow up the Death Star. The Death Star. Yeah, he <gasps> misses. 
scandalous. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hilarious slapstick ensues. <laughs> Just like in episode three. Oh! oh. For another podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, he doesn't blow up the Death Star, and you just see how everything goes really fucking bad for the, the Rebels at that point. See, that that sounds interesting. I would. I think I would oh, like Mr. to read it. Oh, Mr. I wasn't going to read it? Eh, I would it, like to read it. It really not, wasn't that great, in my opinion. I would like to read a story. I, I, I think was inter- the concept know, was better than the execution. You know what I liked a lot? Uh, Tales, uh, Star Wars Tales, those little... One-off stories here and there about different parts of the. Yeah, universe. they were like I thicker like, issues, right? Yeah, they were like collected kind of deals. Yeah, I, I like those. I thought those were pretty good. So the Star Wars series, written by Brian Wood, drawn by Carlos Danda, covers by Alex Ross. Covers by the great Alex Ross. Even though his Princess <clears throat> Leia on the cover of number two is kind of horrifying. I see. I think she's kind of sexy. Sexy, here. sexy. Horrifi- the only thing I will go with horrifying. Wow, really? Yeah, look at those eyes. Look at it's the eyes. eyes and the, the teeth eyes and the nose and the face like and the, the hair. I like oh. the eyes and the teeth. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you like horror, Alex. Maybe Ruff. that's what turns you on, Alex. I I do like the Grudge. That's horror, and it terrifies me and turns me on all at the same time. I don't know how you can like that movie. Alex Ross paints all of his shit. Brilliant, brilliant work. One of the greatest artists of our time. I know where Fuck Jackson. Going. Fuck Jackson Pollock. Blah blah blah. Alex Ross is the guy, except when he draws Fat Superman. Yeah, that's because he gets his neighbor to pose. Well, is that who that is? Yeah, it is. <laughs> that's hilarious. And he he like he draws all the characters so realistic, and it's it's really unique to see. But his Superman's always fucking fat. Batman's kind of fat too. Yeah, they're all they're all chunky. They're all like big husky guys. And Captain Marvel's fat because it's kind of they all are kind of fat now. (laughs) Yeah, because they they have that real like forties ish kind of look to them. That's that's the other problem with Alex Ross is that he has a big fucking. God boner for the golden age. But don't you like classic shit? I I I like classic shit like Superman's outfit. Is classic. The Batman's outfit is, is classic. Uh, the fucking Scarlet Spider from like three issues of some backwater ass comic book from the twenties is stupid, and that's what Alex Ross bases all of his time on. Like he loves doing these obscure fucking forties and thirties characters, and I'm like, I would love to see this dude draw like a current Wolverine, but he never does it because uh, Wolverine's too modern. And I'm not paraphrasing what he said. I just assume he says that. the the covers are by Alex Ross for Star Wars we're two issues in and I personally enjoy the series so far I'm indifferent I uh I'm gonna keep getting it it's 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 okay um we were talking earlier this dude what's his name Carlos Danda Carlos Danda uh really can draw some real beautiful uh spaceships um, his people, I'm not really all that hot on them. Um, the color, the whoever does the colors, Gabe. I think the color's Alexa. pretty good. Uh, Tabe. It, it looks pretty flat to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too hard on it. Maybe I was expecting, you know, really, really awesome things from this book, and I'm just not, just I, not getting it. I think you're being pretty hard on the art. I think the yeah. people actually look pretty 
great. It's just that they don't resemble the actors really at all. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I needed that. Um, it just. I don't know. There's just something the, strange about the it. ships. Are amazing. Um, I agree with that. That's the highlight, I think, of the art. Every so often, the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon looks like a penis. But other than that... Not he, complaining, just saying. He draws the fuck out of some X-Wings and, and Star Destroyers. And the double-page splash in on the second and third page of the second issue is just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. But don't Very think, cinematic. I've decided something from that splash page. What? That I'm sick of Boba Fett. I used to Yeah! <laughs> fuck that guy! I'm officially fuck that guy. sick of him. Paul Hogan motherfucker. <laughs> it's and, too and his early. ship. You're sick of and, his and ship. And his ship. That's all I needed was his ship being there. I'm like, really? Issue two? God damn it. Do we need him in here? Isn't he's isn't he in no, issue it, issue one? No. Cameo number one? I don't think so. Where he no. fucking winks at the camera. Oh, oh I'm sorry. That's the new Hope special, special edition. edition. Oh, no. No, he's not in this issue. So, but, basically, yeah, I'm done with what Brian Wood is doing with the story is the Rebels blow up Yavin. And in the movies, you don't get to see the fallout from that and see Princess Leia hurt it because her fucking world is gone. Yeah. And they dip into that a little bit. Luke doesn't go immediately from farm boy to wampa killer. He's still unsure of himself, and they still need to find Hoth. They still need to find a base for the Rebels. And that's what Princess Leia and Luke and Wedge are tasked to do. I like that idea of it. I'm, I'm not against that. I think it's a cool. Um, I think it's a cool story. It's I don't know. It's just not grabbing me the same way that I thought. Uh, I, Darth Vader. No, I, I couldn't remember how the issue ended. I, I read it today and I liked it, and I couldn't remember how it fucking ended. <laughs> that doesn't bode well for a book. Well, I when I looked at it, I'm really not too hot on this Darth Vader either. He's just way too. Goddamn yeah, the Darth deep. Vader he, is he has not the power that of the looking. Force in him. Right he looks here. like tri- yeah. he looks like Triple H as Darth Vader. If Triple H went as Darth Vader for Halloween, he would be Carlos Danda's version of. He's Vader. just way too Diesel. I'm I'm not in with that. I'm kind of over the uh, the Twilight chicks, too. I think, I think too. You're, being, you're being harsh. The twi- oh, yeah. Can I we? could really do without the... Because, I mean, let's face it. She's holding a helmet that couldn't in a million years fucking fit on her head. <laughs> like, look at that. Yeah, I didn't notice that the first time, Ralph. For you... For There's you, no way. For those fans out there that don't know what a Wait, Twilight you know is, it's a specific Star Wars <laughs> alien... It has the big tentacles that come down from their heads and wrap around their shoulders. She's just holding it and she just clearly, as a prop. Just I, like, yeah, she's like, like, yeah, I'm a they, pilot. So they I'm gave it to me. She I really can't put a helmet on. No, jeez. Oh, that's... Now, that's, now, that's, that's nitpicking. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I I just noticed that. By what do you the way. think about the cool black X wings? I hate it. <laughs> I knew you I would. Hate, I hate the black X wings because they're, they're they're the fucking Rebel Alliance. They're they don't even have enough pilots to fucking fly all their damn ships. But they have customized. But they have customized black X wings. Yeah, and really bad. And black. What's fuck the that. point? Black doesn't make everything instantly. I mean, I disagree. <laughs> I'm biased. What is the point of painting them black? Uh, they I mean, didn't even they didn't even paint them black. Those are customs from the Incom company that makes them. Ugh. Oh, really? Straight from Incom Design Labs, swept for bugs and trackers. Yep. Yucky. Yeah. If if they would have just painted them, but I don't know why they have to be fucking black. They're in space. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're going to. 
I don't unless you're going to somewhere where it's gonna be really dark. Like, yeah. What, why do they need to be fucking black? Yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't they stand out less if they look like any old X-wing? Yeah, because you see these ones coming, you're gonna be like, oh fuck. Yeah, there's something special about those. <laughs> those Rello, must have been Rello Alliance really didn't think this. Those must have been uh, swept for bugs and trackers. <laughs> One of one of the issue one of the problems I've had with these with these issues so far is that I don't think Brian Wood has I don't think he knows how to write as Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia. They don't sound like Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. Like yeah. I can't hear the characters from the movies saying a lot of this dialogue. Now what did Brian Wood do before this? Because I'm not familiar with his work, but they made a fucking huge deal about Brian Wood being on this book. Northlanders and DMZ. Oh, DMZ. Holy crap that I hate that. DMZ. I don't really remember what DMZ was about. I know DMZ it was um it's DMZ's demilitarized zone and something there was some war and New York was ravaged. And New York was the demilitarized zone. And it's about um, a photo a photojournalist running around doing something. I don't know what the point of the book is. I read the first trade paperback, and right. I couldn't have been more bored. I read that, and I thought I was going to be really into it, and it bored the shit out of me as well. Boring. More ground-level stuff. It was even ground-level boring to me. And Throw I a fucking he lightsaber wrote, or robot up in um, that shit, and I'll check it out. He wrote at least... I think up to this point, Saucer Country, a Vertigo book for DC. I've heard of that. I've never read it. Oh, wait. I've heard of it. Actually, no. I made that up. Was it, it about flying no, saucers? No. He did not write that. He, oh, fuck. It was, it was drawn by an artist that he worked with on another Pete book. Um, Little Jimmy Woods? <laughs> no. The, the, <laughs> um, what's the artist's name? Um good question. I'm going to have to look uh, this up. Podcasters, your, chime in. Use your, Get us on Twitter right now. <laughs> use your technology. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just not feeling the new Star Wars, but that could just be me. It's 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 not it's not you. There's there's some really cool stuff about it. There's some really not cool stuff about it. One of the... In issue number two, there's a couple pages of Princess Leia looking at old um, tourist imagery of, I hated of that. Alderaan and everything. Really? It was. I, I liked that, and it adds a different. It adds a different dimension to what Leia's going through because I guess she's fairly one dimensional for a lot of the. You know what? It, when trilogy. you really think about it, she should be fucking catatonic about everybody and everything that she ever knew being destroyed. I agree with that, but, but just the than. the way that they presented it by having her uh, watch these uh, tourist travel videos as if like. You know, just the equivalent of something that we would have here, you know, like a tourist travel video for China or well, something you don't, like you that. You don't think you don't think in the Star Wars universe they have travel videos to, yeah. s- to sell shit it, on all It there? feels it feels kinda a little too close to home. You know what I mean? Like not far, far away enough. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like that you know, like I don't it doesn't feel like Star Wars. Yeah. So like for an example like in the prequels when they go into that um the fucking 50s diner 
Well, I was thinking that sports bar what, thing that they sticks? go into, and that yeah. yeah. And if you remember, like there's sports game. and shit. Like I hated that. I was like, this just wow, feels I out can't of place. I even remember that, but I ugh, that sounds boring. Yeah, it, it was it, like it's it, that kind of stuff that it, it pulls it, you it, out of the movie. Yeah, yeah it yeah, pulls yeah. you out of that universe because you're no longer immersed in this galaxy far, far away. You're like, oh fuck, I fucking had that. Yeah, Atari it's the equivalent. Game when I was a kid. Yeah. It's the equivalent. Of I like here. I liked what they did there with the tourist food because they never reference it in the movies or any of the other comics or books or anything I think, about how bad that would probably mess you up. Yeah. I think they're actually going light on how you know, yeah. messed up she should and be. I, I think that 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 page with her looking at those tourist videos served two purposes. One, to show you just how not right Leia is with her world blowing up. And to show everyone else that, like, it wasn't just a planet that got blown up. It was, like, a whole... It was a planet with people and places and all this culture yeah. that's just been wiped from existence. Yeah, I agree. Overall, I enjoyed the uh, the two issues. Um, you know, I, I definitely nitpicked the art a bit, but um, I think it's actually overall pretty good looking book. It's solid artwork. I would like to see him do characters a little bit closer to the... Yeah, that's my biggest to the, to the actors because Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. You know, you can and draw... just to do random blonde dude yeah. is not really doing and it it's, justice. And it's not even close. Oh, every so often the the way he draws Han Solo looks like... Yeah, I looks like Harrison Ford, but the Luke never comes close. I thought Wedge almost looked halfway decent in a couple shots. Yeah. Like, better than, than Luke. Um, uh, oh, and uh, by the way, that other artist's name that worked with Brian Wood, mm-hmm. uh, his name is Ryan Kelly, and he, the Not two of those guys, the two of those guys worked on uh, a book called The New York Four, and I was thinking of the book Saucer Country, which Ryan Kelly draws. Oh, I see. That's why I got a little bit confused. Um, but the New York Four and the New York Five, which is the uh, follow-up, I think they're each five issues, um, are really good reads. Um, although they're kind of like for chicks, but I still like them. Nothing wrong with that. I'd like to also take time out to bash the Dark Horse digital app. I oh. <laughs> because I downloaded the yes. first issue of Star Wars uh, to my iPad. First of all, the Dark Horse digital app has taken a lot of beating. It should from a lot of different places. It should. Uh, Comicsology is the one that I typically use. It has most of the big publishers, except for Dark Horse, uh, and, and it's it's slow and unresponsive. I downloaded. There was a Conan book that came out last year that a lot of people said was really really great. Downloaded it on there. To this day, I still can't open this book on the Dark Horse app. And this is in December that I downloaded it. Um, the way that it, it doesn't have the nice feature when you're going from panel to panel, like Comixology has that guided view where you hit just keep flipping along and it'll guide you through the page panel to panel. Um, that There's nothing like that. You just have to... Zoom in, zoom out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, big a faster a movement. It's jerkier. It doesn't, it doesn't mask off the other uh, panels and let you focus on one at a time. Which is key with that guided. Yeah, it, it's it it it's so bad that I don't even feel very bad that Dark Horse is going to lose the Star Wars license because it'll be nice when 
Star Wars transitions to Marvel to be able to read, you know, these things digitally, like with the guided view. Matt, I know you bought these. You actually bought the issues. So did you buy the the regular issue and the digital copy? Well, they come with a free digital copy. Like there's a code for it mm, right here if that. you peel it. Um, but I did not redeem that code. I but I have bought. I went in and I bought the uh, the Dark Empire series because I think it was on sale for ninety nine cents an issue one week or something like that. And um, and I you know I I just wanted to own that digitally. I wanted mm-hmm. those colors on my iPad and yeah. everything. And it I think that was my first experience with. Dark Horse and digital comics, and it was just, it was a joke. Um, In comparison to Comixology, it is just, it, it's just, it's horrible. Yeah, you're so much better off with, Comixology you know, being actual the chief comic comics. book digital application. Yes. I think there's, um, graphically, or, or something like that, that is competing with it, um, but... Yeah, Comixology has all the publishers. Yeah. It now has... Except Dark Horse. Except Dark Horse. And uh, it now even has uh, something that they released this week where if you're an independent comic book um, artist or writer, you can upload your work to Comixology for people to publish. So if you have a book that is not connected to a publisher that you want to self-publish, you can upload PDFs, I think, to Comixology and they will publish it for you. I'm sure for some kind of fee. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So... You know, if anybody's out there... All right, I guess I'll start working again. (laughs) (laughs) If you know anybody out there that has uh, some talent that they're hiding away... Let us know. We'll get it to Comixology. Well, I I think that was... uh, I think we're into around two hours now. Two-hour mark for the giant-sized episode one Mixos comic book podcast. We'd like to thank you all for hanging out with us today and hope that you will come back. Uh, please go to mixos.com, M-C-S-O-S-S.com. Um, follow us on Facebook, Facebook backslash Mixos. You can follow Paul or myself on Twitter. Um, it's on the Facebook page. You can check that out. And, uh, yeah, this Ian Sharpley, Matt Casal, and Paul McGinty. Thanks for listening. Uh,